1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 714 with Tanya Dalton. Tanya is back with a boatload of wisdom and practical perspective on how to experience more success and purpose in your career and the rest of your life. So you'll learn one, the life-changing habit that we often shy away from, two, why our brains hijack our motivation and willpower, and three, the simple trick to propelling yourself into action. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the resources that we mentioned here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP714. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP714. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out our cool stuff like the ability to search the full text of all transcripts, all episodes tagged by the competency and topic and subtopic, the gold nugget email summaries, so much good stuff at awesomeatyourjob.com. And here's some good stuff about Tanya. Tanya Dalton is a nationally recognized productivity expert, bestselling author and speaker. Tanya serves as a growth strategist for female leaders in the corporate and entrepreneurial sectors. In addition to having her book be named one of the top 10 business books of 2019 by Fortune Magazine, Tanya's podcast, Productivity Paradox, is ranked among the top 50 on iTunes. She's a regular contributor for Entrepreneur and has been featured in some of the world's leading publications, including Forbes, Inc., Fast Company, and Real Simple. She's been awarded the Elite Enterprising Woman Award and has been named the female entrepreneur to watch for the state of North Carolina. Tanya is also the founder and CEO of Inkwell Press, Productivity Co., a multi-million dollar company providing tools that work as a catalyst in helping people do less while achieving success. Big thanks to Tanya for sharing her wisdom with us. A big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free Now, here's Tanya. Tanya, welcome back to How To Be Awesome At Your Job.
2: I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this.
1: Oh, me too. Uh, We're happy to have you back. And, And I'm curious to hear any pretty noteworthy discoveries you've made over the last two years? Anything that might help people be awesome at their jobs? Let's just get that right up front, up front at yeah. the top.
2: <laughs> I mean, let's just go for it, shall we? Let's just start it right away. Yeah, yeah I've been on, on quite a journey for sure for the past uh, couple of years. I had the Joy of Missing Out come out uh, two years ago at this point. And I've uh, had a lot of things happen in my life. Not you know, withstanding my, my name change, I changed my name. I have a new book coming out. I have a kid who went to college. Lots of things, lots of shifts in my life. You and I were chatting before we went live here and talked about, okay, you changed your name. It's kind of a big thing. It's kind of a big deal. And, and it really is, especially when you have a book come out uh, with your other name. So my name just changed the spelling, T-O-N-Y-A to T-A-N-Y-A still pronounced the same, but uh, we were talking about it. And it was really important to me to really signify that I've been on a journey, that I've changed who I am spiritually, emotionally, and in a lot of ways have done a lot of deep work. And as I was mentioning to you, it's what's good about changing my name is this is something that a lot of cultures do. It opens up the door for conversation to talk about things like this, that, oh, you went in, you did, you did some deep work mentally. And, and for me, it really was wanting to signify that to the whole world that I've changed who I am. And I think I've changed for the better. And I think because of all that I went through, I was able to write an even better book for this new book that, that's come out on purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. And indeed, the book, there are some themes there associated with, you know, taking a look at the past and such. So so it's called On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. Now, now, Tanya, I presume men can also find value oh, and yeah, have an extraordinary absolutely. life of meaning and success. Okay. good. Men good. also deserve that extraordinary <laughs> life
2: as well. I just, most of my writing is uh, really focused in and narrowed in on women because, I mean, let's be honest, Pete, for uh, hundreds of years, the book books have been written for men. And we as women, we've, re- we've read those books and we make it work for us. And it's the same thing here. This book is written for women, but it absolutely applies to men and you can read it too. All
1: right. Men will make it work for them.
2: <laughs> I think that a lot of people can get a lot out of this book. I think it, it has the, the ability to allow everyone to see that they have an extraordinary life just waiting for them.
1: Mm-hmm. And so would you say that's the core thesis here? Everybody has an extraordinary life just waiting for them? Or, or how would you articulate the big idea?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that we think that extraordinary is this thing that we have to claw and scratch to to fight to achieve. And an extraordinary life is just waiting for us. Living on purpose isn't about changing who you are. It's rising up and becoming the best version of you. It's, it's really about looking out beyond today and seeing a brighter tomorrow and then making strides each and every day to get to that tomorrow, to that vision we want for ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that all sounds pretty cool. Could you make it all the more concrete for us with uh, an inspiring story of someone who who did just that?
2: Yeah. Well, I love that question because, I, I mean, honestly, me and my journey is a perfect example of, of really shifting and changing who you are. In the book, we go through four different sections. We go through reflection, projection, action, and alteration. And What's beautiful about this is they all weave together so intentionally, and I know they have in my life. I think that reflection is such an important part of growth. It really is that we have to look backwards in order to move forward and that when we take the time to, to dive into who we were, to see how far we've come we understand how far we can go and we understand what's possible. And I know for me in my own life I've seen this manifest in numerous ways, in numerous times. We talked about my name change, that was certainly one of those times, but when I when I closed my my first business and made the decision to to open up Inkwell Press Productivity Co, that was definitely me making a very intentional choice to shift and move into what i was really meant to do i started my first business in 2008 and I started with 50 dollars, and it was just a little side business that i was doing selling to friends maybe friends of friends and i had a moment where i was on a phone call with my husband he was doing marketing for fortune 500 companies at the time and he would buy a ticket called the around the world ticket where literally he would leave our home in Dallas and he would fly all the way around the planet, come back to the other side. So he'd be gone for three or four weeks at a time. And we had a conversation where I was telling him all the things that the kids were doing. They were really small at the time. And he said, I'm missing everything. I'm missing all the moments. I'm missing all the milestones. I'm missing everything. And I said, Oh, no, 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 you're not. And he said, No, I am. And I hung up the phone that night and I made a big decision in my kitchen that night. This girl with a ponytail, with $50 that she started her business with, no business experience, was going to grow that business to the point where it could absorb my husband's MBA income and he could come work alongside of me. So we could have that lifestyle freedom that would allow him to be a part of the kid's life, more a part, which is what he was really wanting. So I sat down, I created some plans for myself, I sketched out some systems, and within about a year I made that happen. So he and I started working together in 2009 and it was great.
1: One year is pretty quick from 50 bucks to uh, two income sized in one year. Yeah, that's uh, well done.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Well, you know, I think this is the thing. It really is about choosing. And then I had that to work towards right? That's me looking bigger than today. That's me looking at tomorrow. Where is it I want to go? I knew at the time I wanted him to come and work alongside of me or rather across the desk for me, which is where he still is, uh, and have this life for ourselves. So that gave me the motivation I needed to dig in and figure out what it is I need to do next. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really think is so important is understanding where it is you want to go. So it was great because then he and I started working together and we loved that. But then in 2013, I looked at him and said, I love you. I love working with you, but I don't love what we're doing. That big goal that I had of getting him to work alongside of me, I was ready for something else. I was ready for something bigger. I knew that I wanted to make a bigger impact and what we were creating together with that business wasn't it for me. It wasn't hitting those buttons of what I was truly passionate about, what I really wanted to do in the world. I used to be a teacher and so I'm really big on influencing and impacting other people's lives of teaching and helping others grow. So, you know, he said, "Okay, what do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I have no idea." So, I had to do a little reflection. I had to get my little Marty McFly time machine, go back in time and reflect back on what is it I want to do? What am I passionate about? How do I figure out what it is I want to do when I have no idea? how is this going to work? So I did that. I did this process of reflection. I tried to find activities and exercises to, to dive into it myself, but nobody seemed to have anything that would work for me. And out of that reflection process, which we can dive more into if you want to, but I found that there were really three things that I'm, I am truly passionate about. I am truly passionate about teaching. I have always been a teacher, even when I was like eight years old, I was teaching and educating, and I love watching light bulbs light up in people's eyes. I love empowering women, and I love productivity. I love structuring things and systematizing things. That's how I was able to grow that business, that first business, and able to to really make that work for our family. So through that process of reflection, I realized, oh, this is what I want. So reflection tells us why, why we want what we want, because this is what I'm passionate about. So then we had projection, which is what, what is it I want? Well, I have these three things that seem very unrelated, empowering women, educating and and productivity. What can I create out of that? Well, that what became Inkwell Press Productivity Co., my company that I started and created. So I projected and figured out this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go with it. I started looking into the future of where could it go. And so that's when I stepped into that third step of action creating action. How am I going to get there? How am I going to create this for myself? So really creating an action roadmap for myself of, okay, if this is where I'm starting off with closing down a business, mind you going without income, this is a family of four. Both my husband and I are now getting income from my business. I started making that decision to close that up and open up something brand new. That was a big choice. So I needed to create an action plan for to make sure that I had a map in front of me that I knew where it was I wanted to go. So I created that action plan for myself scaled to 7 figures in less than 18 months because again, I love systems. I love productivity, so I was able to really make that work. And then along the way, there was a lot of shifting and changing that had to happen because, you know, life life happens. Life gets messy. Things shift, we evolve and change and grow, and that's where that alteration step comes in where we know where it is we want to go. We know that vision, that North Star you've heard me talk about before, our mission, our vision, our core values. I know where that is. thats is. I'm at A, right here I am today. The Z is where I want to go, right? That big vision I have for myself. The B to Y is how we get there. All right. Now let's figure out how we're going to get there. So it started off by offering up physical products. We started off by selling uh, physical planners, weekly planners, daily planners, all kinds of planners, productivity tools. And then that shifted and grew into having a podcast. And then that shifted and grew into having programs and courses. And then that continued to shift and grow into having publishers reach out to me and offering me book deals, which is where I am today. So really, it's all aligned with where it is I want to go. But you can see through every step of that, it's really understanding that it's not the actions of today. It's the actions of today that build into tomorrow, into where I want to go. And I think that's really when we achieve that extraordinary part of the life, right? It's when we're satisfied. It's when we're fulfilled. It's when we feel successful at the end of our days that we go to bed at night and feel really good about what we did. Because we're working towards something bigger than just checking something off our to-do list.
1: Beautiful. Okay. So there we have it. You are the case study.
2: I am. <laughs> and we're walking
1: through those stages. So let's, let's zoom into each of them then in terms of what are sort of the best practices or, or questions to engage in each of these phases. When, when we do want to understand where you want to go, how do you go about getting after that why to uncover that clarity?
2: Yes. Well, that's why I think it's so important. I think reflection is one of those things that's really important to do, but it's something we will avoid doing. We would rather clean the cat's litter box. We'd rather start the vegan cleanse we've been putting off for six months. We'd rather do just about anything than reflect back because our past is often, it's filled with lots of great moments, but there's also failure and trauma and frustration and and things that we don't like. And, And we want to push those underneath the bed. We want to just sweep them underneath the rug and pretend they're not there. But really, reflection is so important because that's the fertile ground from which we grow. I often tell people that it's the regret that we can push against that gives us and builds up that resilience that we have. Uh, So when we're looking back, looking at the things that we have learned, the failures that we've had, the trauma, what did we gain from that? Because out of every one of those things, we gain lessons. We have a backpack that we all wear. It's invisible, but we're piling it full of these heavy lessons that we're learning. And those backpacks help us in moving forward. People will ask me, how did you grow your business to seven figures in, in less than 18 months? I had a backpack filled with experience. I had a backpack full filled with knowledge and learning that I had pulled from teaching, from my first business I had grown, from parenting, from all of those things. That's what I used to allow me to grow. And I think we tend to discount some of that. And really it's important to recognize that in a lot of those hurtful moments, those things that were hard, those things that, that feel like we don't want to think about them. When we know what we don't want, it's so much easier to see what we do. We will move away from pain so much faster than we will move towards pleasure. You know, we don't go on the diet till our pants get too tight. We don't stop working long hours till we recognize and realize we've missed dinner with the family again for the, you know, second week in a row. I know for me, I had a period of time where I I was working way too hard, and that's a whole another story where I was working Every day, seven days a week for 12-hour days minimum. And the kids were coming to the warehouse after, after school. They were coming and they were there on the weekends. And I ended that season of time and I reflected, how do I feel about myself? And I felt terrible. I felt like the world's worst mom. And it would be really easy to just say, I'm the world's worst mom and let that be the end of it. I'm not going to think about this ever again. What a terrible mom I am. But I realized out of that season... If I feel like a terrible mom, how do I not feel like a terrible mom? What do I need to do to shift and change so I never feel this way again? So because I had this oozy hurt that I didn't want to think about being the world's worst mom, right? How could I push against that to get to what I want while I made the decision, okay, no more of these days where I'm working these insane hours. I'm leaving work every day at three o'clock. I own my own business so I can make that work, right? I'm going to leave every day at three o'clock. That's now a boundary for me. And that's been a boundary for me ever since. That's years of me leaving work at three o'clock every day. I probably wouldn't have believed it was possible. I probably never would have done that, except for the fact that I didn't want to go back to where I'd been. I didn't want to feel like the world's worst mom again. So that's what's beneficial and beautiful about reflection is the trophies we hold up, the beautiful things that have gone well, those are amazing. And they show us how amazing we are. But the things that aren't trophies, the things that feel like awful and terrible, those are amazing too, because they also tell us how amazing we are, how strong we are and how resilient we are. And we can build off of those things to get to that life we want.
1: hmm Yeah, that's really powerful in terms of, it can very much be a temptation to not think about that at all and then move along. I, I don't know,
2: I think <laughs> yes, easily.
1: When you talked about working a lot and with the kids, I, was, I saw an episode of the Super Nanny. <laughs> 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 I pull things from <laughs> everywhere. And- is it? And so there, there were a couple, uh, a mom and a dad, they were working a lot and, and their strategy was to, well, I guess get the Superman nanny to come over on there, but also that's a
2: strong strategy. Uh, right yeah. there. <laughs> but before
1: that, it was just buying them a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs> right.
1: And so, yeah, that's a lot easier in terms of, Oh, I feel kind of guilty because I'm working a lot and my kids are disappointed.
2: Yeah. We throw things at it.
1: And mm-hmm. so I'm going to buy them something because I can
2: because I work so hard, I can afford it.
1: <laughs> and I think that's common in terms of whether it's like a little, it's like a little feel-good, quick band-aid option that doesn't get after the the stuff. So it may be like, well, I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to play some video games. I'm going to have a smoke. Yes. I'm going to, I don't know, fill in the blank. Whether it's a healthy or not so healthy means of making yourself uh, feel better in the moment. What they all share is that they don't. Experience that pain full on and allow that to be a, a, a force for powerful motivation.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to pull back the bandage because it looks gross. But when we pull back the bandages, that's when it gets air. That's when it heals. That's when it feels like it, it's better. It, it scars over. And scars are not ugly, scars are beautiful because they, they're part of our journey, they're part of our path. And I think that when we start to recognize and realize that we're all so beautifully human, which means that we are imperfect in a thousand different ways. When we can embrace that in ourselves to know that we're not alone, the frustrations we feel with ourselves, the, the negative self-talk, the trauma that, that we've experienced, we're not alone in that. That's a collective human experience that we share together. It really is about the healing that we do within moving forward. You know, having the hard things in our past does not make any one of us unique but it does make us human. And it means that we're able to grow and we're able to heal. And I think that's really important to understand and to acknowledge. It's not easy. I'm not going to pretend for any time here on this show that that's an easy process. I go into some of the deep, dark trauma that I've experienced in my life in the book to show how we can, how we can overcome it, how we can dig in and understand why it happened to us and where we want to go in moving forward, because I think it's really powerful to understand that we have that ability And I think that's just believing in yourself, choosing to believe that you can move forward, that tomorrow is a brighter day.
1: That's good. All right, well, so we have one uh, powerful distinction, an action we could take that many people don't. Take a hard look at uh, that, which you're you're not liking in the reflection and get a ton of motivation.
2: I can give you an easier one if you'd like, because that one's a tough one, right? (laughs) Yeah, we'll take an easy one too. (laughs) Okay, here's an easy one for reflection. You can also look back at your past and think about what did you love when you were a kid before you started adulting because what happens is we lose sight of what we love in the pursuit of adulting we got to pay the rent we got to pay the mortgage we got a car payment we got all those things right and so we lose sight of what it was that used to fire us up what used to light us up and get us excited so really going back and revisiting what were the things that you loved as a kid what were the things that you got fired up about not the piano lessons your mom dragged you to that doesn't count the activities that you wanted to go to again and again. Maybe it was softball. Maybe it was playing the violin. Maybe, it, what what was it? And then go a little bit deeper. Why did you love that? If you loved softball as a kid or a sport, was it being outside? Was it the camaraderie? Was it the competition? Was it the physicalness of it? Use that as a little bit of fodder to get you started because oftentimes our passions, even as adults, can be found in our childhoods. We just lose sight of them because we're so busy doing, we don't stop and recognize and realize. And a lot of times those things that we did as kids, we can build upon and grow that into what it is we want to do and moving forward. Mm-hmm. So that one's a lighter one.
1: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful.
2: A little less trauma. Yes.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next step. We did a reflection and then what comes next? The projection?
2: Projection. Yeah. So reflection tells us why. Why it is we want what we want, and projection answers that question of what. Well, what is it that I want? What do what do I want in life? And I think what's really interesting is we have a hard time knowing what that is. I can guarantee you have some listeners right now who are thinking, I have no idea what an extraordinary life looks like. I have no idea what it is I want. I have no idea what goals I should set. And so what happens is we look left, we look right, we look over the fence, and we see where the grass is greener, and we go, that's what I should be doing, right? And what we really want to do is understand what it is that you want and what you look like in the future. But here's really what's fascinating, I think, is that our brain has an extraordinarily hard time seeing ourselves in the future. Our brain is hardwired for today because that's what's kept us alive. It allowed us to avoid the saber-toothed tiger. It's what's allowed us to, to get to the next day. And there's this really fascinating study where they'd use fMRI machines on people's brains and they would have them talk about themselves today. And certain areas of the brain start pinging and lighting up and really showing that they're, they're active. And then they would have the people talk about themselves in the future. Now, the future could be three weeks from now. It could be three years from now. It could be three hours from now. But then talking about themselves in the future lit up a very different part of the brain, not the same part of the brain when they talked about themselves. What's most fascinating is when they had these same participants talk about Natalie Portman and Matt Damon, Those same areas of their brain lit up. As it did when they were talking about themselves in the future. So, in other words, to our brain, you in the future is not you. It's a stranger who looks like you, has the same name as you, is is you, but it doesn't recognize you as being you. And this is why we often fail at our goals, this is why we splurge. On the pair of shoes instead of investing in the 401k or why we eat the cookie instead of eating the carrot because the person in the future who has to pay for that or has to deal with the outcome of that isn't you and so our brain prioritizes today over the future and i think when we understand that it's incredibly powerful to understand this is why i've struggled in the past and again i am not alone in this this is how my brain works so it's really understanding now, if I can start to picture myself in the future and I can start really projecting forward into what I want in the future, then I can see myself and then I can connect my actions from today to what I want to do in the future.
1: Hmm. Well, that's fascinating in terms of that fMRI study.
2: Isn't it? I found that so interesting.
1: So, yeah, that that would seem extraordinarily powerful is if we can view future self as just as real and valid and important as as current self.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: And so it seems like you're you're hinting at a pathway that's that's very different other than just like buckle down and get to the gym.
2: Oh, yes, that's not what it is at all.
1: It's more about no, you really need to see and adopt and embrace the future self as yourself and so how do we do that? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's the big question, right? Because it is. It's it's a mental game. And we love to blame willpower on why why we haven't gotten things done. Oh, I'm not I'm not I don't have the willpower. Or I'm not disciplined enough. And it's not discipline that you need. In fact, if we know that our brain is prioritizing wins for today over wins for tomorrow, it's our brain that's hijacking that. That's causing us to do that. So what we can do is we can really look forward into the future and create a map for ourselves. I call this wayfinding in the book, where it's really looking forward into the future to what's your potential. Okay, what is, what is your potential? Like 10 years in the future, what could I possibly have in my life? Like What could that possibly look like? What is your potential? So figuring that out. And then we back it up a little bit. So that's your potential. We want to back it up to what is possible. Okay, if that's the potential in 10 years, what's possible in the next three to five years on that map to get to that, to that, what's that called your cathedral? What's that, that's possible. Then if we back that up even more, okay, if that's what's possible in three to five years, what's practical? What would be practical for me to accomplish in the next 12 to 18 months? So here we're talking now about long-term goals, right? A year 18 months. Well, let's back that up a little bit more on our little map. And in the book, I, I literally make it like a little map, like you are here and there's a roadmap. If we back that up anymore, we can figure out what do I need to prioritize in the next three months, the next six months, the next nine months. That's how we decide what our goals are, because then those goals are on that path to get to that potential that we're dreaming of. And there's lots of things that we can do to really help solidify that in our brain. You know, as I just said, we have a hard time seeing ourselves in the future. So we can do things. There's all kinds of amazing technology now. You can do these things on Snapchat even and Instagram where you can use a filter to age yourself and put yourself. Let's say that your, your potential is that you want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine. All right, you can create a picture of yourself in the future on the cover of Forbes magazine. Put that someplace where you can see it and that starts solidifying it in your brain, Right. Start mapping that out and seeing who you want to be in the future. When we back that up, that's when we begin to see, oh, this is the action I need to take right now. This is the goal I need to set for myself right now. If that's where I want to go, here's where I need to be in a month. Here's where I need to be at the end of this week. Here's where I need to be today. And that's when we start to make motions and take action towards that big potential out there, that big extraordinary life when we're making those connections, when we create that map for ourselves.
1: Mm, yes. I think make connections is, is the phrase because with that pathway in place with all of the, the dots connected, it really does feel real. Yes. As opposed to sure enough, I, I did this thing and I saw some improvement and thusly I can see that if I do all of the things, they will lead me into that place. And thusly the future aged person on Forbes <laughs> magazine <laughs> is not Natalie Portman but it is me and but it's me yeah
2: yeah i think it's really incredibly powerful when you when you start to recognize that and you realize that i think this is why we set goals and we we're never quite satisfied we we build into that someday syndrome someday when i accomplish this goal or someday when i cross this finish line but that finish line keeps moving back doesn't it? Like we never really get it crossed. And even when we do, we have this fleeting moment of satisfaction and excitement. It's it's called the goal setting paradox, where you get a fleeting high when you accomplish a goal, and it's followed immediately by a question of now what? Okay, I finished the marathon. Now what do I do? All right, I just climbed I actually spoke to someone who climbed Mount Everest, who's blind, Eric Weinmeyer, and he said after he, he summited Everest and he went on his way down. Someone said to him, okay, now what? He's like, I just summited Everest. Isn't that enough, right? Mm -hmm. But this is what we go through in our life. We accomplish a goal and then we're like, now what? But if that goal is connected to something bigger and to a brighter future, it becomes just a stepping stone to get us to the next one. So we get that satisfaction and we're ready to go to the next step. And that's how we continue on a daily basis to feel happier, more satisfied. And isn't that really what our goals are all about? Mm -hmm. I would argue that every goal, every dream, every aspiration is steeped in happiness. You want to cross the finish line on a marathon? Why? So you can feel that pride and joy, that happiness of crossing the finish line, right? You want to lose 15 pounds? Why? Because you want to feel happy when you put your pants on. You want to get that promotion at work? Why? Because you'll be happier when you have more money and when you have a team underneath you. All of those things are tied to happiness. Let's stop waiting for happiness to happen to us let's make happiness happen on a regular daily basis. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely achievable. That's what makes life extraordinary.
1: Beautiful. Well said. All right. Well, well, this is so much good stuff. Can you give us maybe the, the quick greatest hits in terms of action and alteration? What should we be doing to do those masterfully?
2: Yes. They go hand in hand because alteration is really woven throughout. Alteration really is about building in that flexibility and that grace to allow life to happen. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we all know life is messy and the best laid plans allow for detours and rerouting and all of those things to happen because life demands flexibility. So as we're creating action, action answers the question, how? How are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish this? It's really about breaking it down into bite-size milestones. So you have this big thing off in the distance, seems really far away. And our future self, because we know we're not connected to it, it feels like it's not us. So how do we back that up even more to create little milestones we're working towards? Little stepping stones to get us closer to that life we want. We do that by creating an action roadmap for ourselves. You've heard me say before here on the show, I'm sure, overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. When we know where to start and we know what actions we want to take, it's incredibly empowering. It's incredibly confidence building. And and so that's really powerful for us to do. But really, it's about creating a plan for ourselves so we feel confident to step over our fears and create time in order to allow these things to happen in our lives, to allow ourselves to get closer to those big goals and dreams and aspirations.
1: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. Well, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things?
2: Yeah. Well, I would say we kind of touched on that whole idea of discipline earlier. Here's what I would, I would say when people talk to me about needing discipline, I really want to encourage more people to let discipline go to stop worrying about needing more willpower or feeling like they have to force things to make it happen. Discipline is really just a series of small actions. So when you recognize that and realize that, that it's really just small actions, little tiny steps on a regular basis that build up, that begin to look like discipline. It's just habits that we build over and over again over time. When we start to do that, that's when we start to get that momentum we need. So just focus on the next small action you can do. That is honestly the way you get on that path to that extraordinary life.
1: All right. Thank you. Well, now, could you share a favorite quote? Something you find inspiring?
2: I would say probably one of my favorite quotes is actually from Harry Potter. And it's when Albus Dumbledore tells Harry that it's our choices that show us what we are far more than our abilities. Okay. I think really when we understand our choices, it's incredibly powerful.
1: And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: Oh, I have a study I just stumbled upon not that long ago that I love where they took these men out of a retirement community and they separated them into two groups. One group went to another retirement community and the other group, they fashioned everything in the place where they were. So it looked 20 years earlier and they encouraged them to talk about things that had happened 20 years earlier. All the appliances were 20 years earlier. And so they encouraged them to really think about who they were 20 years ago. After less than a week they took the control group who'd gone to the other retirement community. They were still in the same place, still have the same aches and pains and all of that. They took that group who had just time traveled 20 years mentally, and they found that within those seven days, they had built more muscle mass. They had gotten rid of a lot of their arthritis. Not only did they feel better, but their bodies had physically reacted. I think a lot of times we think that mind over matter thing is just a bunch of woo-woo, But truly, our bodies are able to change and shift when we get our our mindset right, when we really think about what it is we want.
1: All right. And a favorite book?
2: Think and Grow Rich Mm -hmm. by Napoleon Hill. That's a great book because it really is, again, really how strong your brain is and how it can really get you to where you want to go.
1: And a favorite tool, something you used to be awesome at your job?
2: Well, I use Inkwell Press products, but that's kind of a no-brainer there, (laughs) isn't it? I have to be honest with you, though. So I do a lot of my planning, obviously, using Inkwell Press, but we use a lot of Google Docs, and we found some ways to hack them so they work for us. I felt like I was using far too many different tools to do all the different things. So we've created a little hub in our own system within Google Drive and Google Docs so that we can make that work to get rid of a lot of our project planning tools and all those things.
1: Well, now I'm intrigued. Can you share a particular Google Doc hack that maybe many people might benefit from?
2: I don't know if I could give it really quickly, but we have a whole system that we use and we use, it's kind of funny because we use like emojis to signify the different steps we're in in a project. And what I love is that all the conversation happens within the Google Docs because we were getting things from Asana and we were getting things from Slack and we were getting things from email and I felt like we were going far too many places so we started using this icon system where if something was in process we give it a thumbs up and if it's something that's completed we give it a check mark if we've shared it i mean so there's a whole system of using these little symbols and it's made it it's so insanely simple that i think sometimes we overcomplicate things right Mm -hmm. So that's what we've done is just using all these different symbols within Google Docs. I create a table of contents for every project that we do, and that's our main Google Doc. Everything is, that becomes the hub. So everything that we create off of that, other documents, other spreadsheets, other things, that table of contents becomes almost like our little Bible where we click on it and it sends us exactly where we need to go. So everything is succinct and together inside Google Docs.
1: Oh, cool. Well, if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
2: I would tell them to go to tanyadalton.com. You can find links to my podcast, The Intentional Advantage there. You can also find information about both my books, The Joy of Missing Out, and my newest book, On Purpose. tanyadalton.com is probably the best place to find me.
1: All right, and do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Yeah, I would say that extraordinary life is there. And I know where you are right now, it might seem like that's impossible. But what I would challenge you to do right now is just take a moment start with that reflection step that we talked about. Go the easy route. Let's not worry about the hard things or the difficult things or the the things you don't want to think about. Let's start with the easy thing. Let's start by thinking about who you were before you started being an adult, like before the age of 16, we'll say. And just make a list of the things that you loved and then ask yourself, why did I love that? What was it about that that I loved? And don't let that stop there. Ask why again. And then maybe ask it one more time. Get to the heart of why you loved what you did and start to rediscover your passion. Because when you start to remember and recognize that passion has been there all along, it's so much easier to build that fire.
1: All right, Tanya, this has been a treat. Thank you. I wish you much luck and fun and purpose.
2: Thank you so much. This was great, Pete. We always have a good time together.
1: I really love what Tanya had to say about reflecting on the not so great stuff, because indeed, it's unpleasant and you don't feel like going there. You kind of want to forget and move right past it. And yet, Boy, there is, there's a lot of wisdom there just in terms of, of reflecting on what you really loved and what was amazing, reflecting on what you really hated. or was not so amazing can be quite instructive. And I think about some of my career moments that I really didn't like, I could see the patterns. Oh, I was working so much. I was having a hard time sleeping, exercising and seeing friends. Okay. Don't do that. (laughs) Make sure, you know, your next career option has very few days that uh, demand that over the course of a year noted. hmm, Also, I didn't have as much sort of autonomy to do what I thought was most interesting and meaningful very often. So, okay, make sure we get that in the next career. And so by going there, as opposed to shuffling away from it as fast as possible, some really cool insights emerge. So again, big thanks to Tanya. The show notes, the transcript, and links to items we mentioned there are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP714. I hope to catch you next time, and peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for
1: spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore
2: exciting places with Peppa play sets, Peppa Pig,